Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. Once again, to the Bread and Circuses podcast, I'm Rooster, here with Crow. Hello. How are you doing today, Crow? Fantastic. You promised that we were going to have some guests. Yeah. And today we do. We have uh, Marnie Hockenberg with us. She's a local conservative political activist. Marnie, say hi. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How about you? I'm excellent. Thank you. So, Crow came across Marnie. Well, why don't you tell the story, Crow? On YouTube. And you know, we've been talking about all the censor- censorship on YouTube lately and all the social media sites. What? Yeah. Censorship and, on uh, YouTube? They've been trying to downplay all the conservative voices and, and all the uh, recommendations. They've been going to more like, you know, if you are into politics and you watch political channels on YouTube, they've been slowly but surely kind of doing your recommendations away from local and, and, and single voices and going to like... Uh, you should watch the Young Turks. You should watch CNN. You I don't. I don't believe it. <laughs> so, uh, lo and behold, I was shocked to find on my recommendation list there was a video by Marnie, and I'm like, "Well, what's this? This is this is not a, a corporate sponsored mouthpiece." So, clicked on it, and I liked the cut of her jib immediately. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I went through a flurry of listening and watching videos that she had posted, and I go, "Well, she's local. I got to get a hold of her and see if she'll come on the show." <laughs> Sweet. Here and is. here you are. And here I am. <laughs> well, so. why don't you start off by just telling us about you? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, well, as you mentioned, I'm a, um, I call myself a citizen activist. And I'm just really a normal, everyday citizen who is very concerned about what is happening in America and in Minnesota in general. And um, I'm talking about the infiltration um, and subversion by the Marxist counterstate in alliance with the Islamic, global Islamic movement counterstate. And Minnesota and Michigan are really at the tip of the spear. And I've been seeing this play out now ever since I became aware of it for about the last 10 years. And um, what's happened in Europe, and particularly in, in Great Britain and France and all, with the um, influx of, of Muslims and, and Sharia, is happening here in Minnesota. And it's really happening, this creeping Sharia at warp speed. So I decided that I wanted to learn more about it and make people aware of it. So that's when I decided to start making some videos and ramping up some protests to expose the Marxist and Islamic Alliance and tell people how it shows up here in our state. Okay. Yeah, you're 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 out there. You're on the ground. You're you go to all these events. Uh, you go to rallies, but you also go to the events for, from the Marxists and the the care types and all that, and um, and just to monitor and see what's going on and report about that. And I really appreciate that because here here I sit talking about it, getting my news from the internet, and not going out and doing it on the ground. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm very committed to this. You know, we are really in uh, deep trouble in America. I think you probably understand that. We're really at the 11th hour here with this takeover. And um, people have to wake up because literally the future of our children and grandchildren depend on what we do right now and exposing this and helping people become aware and educating them on what's happening with this red-green axis. How long have you been in Minnesota? Um, about 35 years. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So when you talk about this axis, what exactly do you mean? Okay, the red-green axis, the Marxist-slash-communist um, ideology and the Islamic-slash-Sharia ideology, two totalitarian ideologies that have an unholy alliance or partnership, if you will, and they both seek to destroy America from within. Infiltration, uh, subversion, information gathering, and uh, building their infrastructure within our country. And because they both have that same uh, uh, bent on destroying America and prying us away from our foundations and uh, morals, they have this alliance, this partnership. Um, and we see it play out here a lot. And the jihadis that could not be as successful as they are right now, the Muslim Brotherhood is what I mean by jihadis, 
without the help of the Marxists. The Marxists have really enabled the jihadis to gain a very firm foothold and a solid foundation in Minnesota. And how, how have they worked together? Well, let's just take a look at an example of um, Elon Omar being elected or Keith Ellison, right? So there Crow's are, a big fan of both of them. Yeah, like, <laughs> let me just take a shower after seeing their names. <laughs> so um, the, the hardcore Marxist groups, groups like Isaiah, for example, they teach and train Muslims on how to get elected into any office. They actually have training sessions for Muslims. And these Muslims get elected into park board, city council, school board, what any kind of elected office, because their goal is to infiltrate and subvert our constitution and replace it with Sharia law. And they can do that by entering into our government and getting elected. And so that's why we see so many Muslims elected in various um, capacities. And then, for example, Elon Omar, she was a state representative. Well, she kind of came out of nowhere, right? But she was groomed. And then she ran for Congress and she won. So, and Keith Ellison, the same kind of a thing. And we're going to see more and more of that. And we see that all around the country. Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, right? So that's the infiltration helped by the Marxists. That's just one example. Another example could be um, a couple of nights ago, I went to the East Carver County School Board meeting because they have purchased this um, curriculum, this quote unquote training, equity training, to um, teach their children about Islam and basically indoctrinate them into Islam and make sure that the Muslim students get special treatment and that's Sharia. Well, the lefties, the Marxists, are all in for that because they're all social justice warriors. And they don't understand, either they don't understand Sharia and Islam, or if they do understand it and they want them in, boy, that's really diabolical. But then they, they give them entree and cover into all of our institutions. I think they understand it. I think they think it's a manageable uh, they're manageable, so they think they can kind of bring this in to get their goals, their Marxist agenda, you know, um, accelerated, and then they can deal with them at such time as they need to. I think it's, you know, that unholy alliance you're talking about. They don't think of it as, as an equal alliance. That's, right. That's kind of my view of it. That's they know exactly what they're doing. The intersectionality. Right. But what they don't really understand, and they're blind to, they don't really understand Sharia. They haven't done a deep dive because in Sharia, homosexuality is illegal, you know, uh, there's no women's rights. You got female genital mutilation. You know, it's all these things that are absolutely opposed to the liberal ideology. There's no rights. It's slavery, right? So look what's happening in the Middle East with gays. They throw them off the buildings. Iran hangs their gays. Stoning. Stonings, all that. But I don't understand that the liberals either turn a blind eye to that or they think they're going to share power once they have, God forbid, destroyed America. But they're not going to share power because Muslims never share power with anybody. Take a look at the advance of Islam, 1,400 years of conquest. They share power with nobody. So the Marxist slash far left progressives are in for a very rude awakening. Well, I still don't understand how they're, you know, after the Pulse nightclub shooting, yeah. th there were a lot of lefties saying, you know, we got to ban guns, and well, nobody wanted to talk about the... I'm the, the uh, yeah. fact that that guy shot a bunch of gay people. I'm kind of the, of the opinion there's kind of a different tiers of the left of the Marxists. There's the ones that are kind of like, it's not a cabal or anything pulling strings, but they kind of are in the know. They understand what they're up to. Then there's the ones that mid-tier that they get it, but they, 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 they fall in line. And then there are people that are just, they go along with it, but they're afraid of Muslims. They're afraid of Islam because of violent jihadis and they see your head beheadings they see suicide bombings they see the paul's nightclub they don't want any part of that it's a lot easier to be indignant at you know pick your group you know christians white men <laughs> uh Jew jewish people nowadays mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's almost it's getting to be so that um it's blatant anti-semitism out in the open now anti-semitism i'm jewish uh, from the left and anti-semitism <laughs> yes anti-semitism is on the rise because of the, the left. Yeah, the, the Marxists the Marxist, and, the, and the Muslim kind of hand-in-hand. Uh, -hand. The Democrat Party is the party of Jew, Christian, white, and America hate. 
right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not the conservatives hating on Ben Shapiro. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, even, you know, you mentioned they're worried about the jihadis and the violence. I think it's even that people are more worried about people saying bad things about them. I mean, people are people on the left are terrified of being called racists and things like that. Minnesotans especially. Um, Minnesotans have that kind of that attitude where they're afraid of being. I just want to go along to get along, and, kind of thing. And, uh, being called a racist or whatever name, misogynist, yeah. uh, Islamophobe, fake words. <laughs> fake words. It's political correctness is our nation's suicide vest. Yeah. And we have to take it off before it detonates. And that's one of the reasons I believe that Minnesota was targeted with this Somali invasion. And I, will, I am calling it an invasion because that's exactly what it is. Uh, because of the Minnesota nice culture. There's many other reasons that they are here. But they were able to advance as far as they have been because people are afraid to speak out against it. Because, again, they might be called a name. Oh, my gosh, I might be called a name. What is going to happen to you? Are you going to self-destruct? No. You know, are you going to keel over dead? No. And by the way, the term Islamophobe, there's not, no such thing as an Islamophobe because there's no, uh, a phobia is a fear of something irrational. irrational <laughs> and um, the fear of Islam should be very real and Sharia because it is evil and it is slavery. And the term Islamophobia was made up by the Muslims to squelch anybody that wants to tell the truth about Islam and push back against the Islamic Jihad. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's all out of the what rules for radicals, right? Bingo. And uh, you know, the Marxists—that's their handbook. Absolutely. Uh, Alinsky, and it seems like that the Muslim Brotherhood and Care um, they train right out of that book. They understand that it works. Absolutely. And, yeah. And and conservatives, especially in Minnesota here, um, I know you're getting frustrated with the Republican Party. Well, you've probably always been frustrated with it for different reasons, but it, they are a weak. Uh, presence in Minnesota always have been as far as as long as I've known, and uh, I know you get frustrated with the fact that they just don't get it. They're know? afraid of being called names, and I've seen this close up because I I I was a Democrat for most of my life, and I changed a, a number of years ago when I could see what was going on with the Democrat Party. So I'm a walkaway Democrat or a Jexit Jew, if you will. <laughs> so I've been on both sides. And then I realized, oh, I think I really align more with conservative values. I took a good look at the Republican Party conservative values. I'm like, oh, I am a conservative. And I love America and I'm very patriotic. But once I started attending some Republican functions and meeting people, I realized that a lot of these, the leadership of the Republican, the establishment is the problem because they have bent over backwards to accommodate the Muslims, and they're too weak to stand up and say no. I was at a Republican function last week, and uh, one of the leaders turned to me and he goes, you know, Marnie, we're going to need to court the Somali vote. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, are you kidding me? I won't say that F word, but I, in the, my head, I was saying it. So I turned to him like, no, we don't. We don't pander to Islam. We don't court the Somali vote. They are adhering to Sharia that's against our constitution, that's antithetical to our constitution. Why would you do that? What we need to do is find those lazy Republicans that didn't go out to vote during the last election that threw the election to Keith Ellison in part. Right. So that's been and they fund like the CCAP program. They're giving more money to this uh, Somali daycare fraud. Oh, my God. The, yeah, we got into that a little bit and it's still going on. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And we've protested against there's, that. There's still there's still daycares getting oh uh, going up that are not daycares that you see. You drive by and go, there's never kids here. Nope. There's nothing but nice cars out front. That's right. And They're windows are out. Windows are cars blocked than up. We are. Yeah. And, and you're going, I thought they were had a handle on this. They don't. Nope. Nope. No, and they're put, they kick the can down the road when they had an opportunity to shut it down. They just need to shut down the CCAP program. Yeah, it's it's complete fraud. It is total. As we sit right now, there's people on their apps, the Somali daycare owners, making money, yeah. putting it in suitcases, shipping it through the Minneapolis yeah. airport to fund the jihad in Somalia. But when you got the the media in your pocket and you've got oh. uh, wishy-washy Republicans and you've got the Democrats basically running cover for you, you can get away with quite a bit. And that's why we are where we are today. And that's why I appreciate you on the ground and, and, and finding you uh, on YouTube and on Facebook. Um, I've been seeing you post things that I didn't know. And I, you know, I try to scour the internet to find especially local news and Alpha News MN is one of the ones that just 
just recently popped up that I appreciate now. Mm-hmm. Um, Center for the American Experiment. Eh, they're a little dry. Well, I'm uh, pulling my support for them. Yeah, I heard um, there's, they're, yeah, they're getting to be a little too... <clears throat> they're pandering to Islam right. and they threw one of their own under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into that. Do we want to get into sure. that? Sure. Yeah, might as well. Uh, can, you, can you talk about it a little bit or... Sure. Um, from what I understand, um, there was, they interviewed Kim Crockett, mm-hmm. who was on the team, on the staff at the Center for the American Policy Experiment, and she was talking about the Somalis in St. Cloud. Okay. And if you know anything about that, you will know that that's a planned invasion in St. Cloud to turn St. Cloud into an Islamic city. And that's happening with, with the Muslims, the Somalis that they're, they're plopping down in there. And they're making the white people feel guilty for being white. And there's causing all kinds of problems in the schools. And there's violence. Let's not forget the St. Cloud mall stabbing and all. And Kim was uh, quoted by saying, well, I think she was joking. She said, well, they're not from Norway, you know, which of course they're not from Norway. And she was just insinuating that they are a population that are not assimilating. Right. Well, of course, she was being interviewed by the New York Times. And I never would have said something like that because that's a lefty. You know exactly what they're going to they're do. They're going to turn that. it around and it backfired. And um, then I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I can only heat, imagine right? that that care came in. Mm-hmm. Jelani Hussein probably called up uh, John Hinderocker and said, hey, you know, we need an apology or whatever, which is really. And then Kim issued an apology, which is pandering to Islam. And then you have to remember that care published this Islamophobia industry hit piece last year and they named and put a picture of John Hinderocker and Kim Crockett on there with a little black box over their their face yeah. their eyes uh, like they're criminals or something yeah so you know I just like okay well you pander to Islam you you lose my support totally yeah I, I want them to, to remain strong I want them to get the word out there but when they kind of kind of do that go this route what do you do well that's what concern that's the problem with a lot of conservatives they just keel over don't apologize never apologize to that yeah and you think they would have learned that by now you, you don't apologize basically nowadays apologizing is just admitting guilt for something and then uh, uh, giving permission to pile on that's what a, that's what a, a apology is it's not they don't nobody accepts apologies anymore especially from the left they use it as an opportunity to to redouble their attack. Absolutely. And then the, if you apologize to Sharia, you're bending to Sharia. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it being a, a double whammy of conservatism and uh, Midwestern sort of attitude, most people think, you know, when someone says, you need to apologize, they go, all right, I'll say I'm sorry, and then we'll just forget about this. That's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the response to that stuff should be, apologize for what? And if they say, well, you said something mean, just go, well, maybe. I didn't mean to. Well, you should apologize for I taking it wrong. Said what I, I yeah. said what I said. For not having a sense of humor. Put on for... some big boy pants. So it go. offended you. Big deal. Well, I get I get really angry with these people who say things like words are violence. <laughs> you know, people who say words are violence have never had their ass kicked before. <laughs> I mean, it's not the same. It's just not. Yeah, but we're we're getting we're going that route. I think like by you know, they've been there's been a big push in recent years about saying that uh, mental illness is just as bad and just as important to deal with as physical illness, right? And that's fine. That that's smart to do. But I think the leftists will take hold of that and go, well, if you do um, hurt my feelings and it affects my mental health, that's just as bad as physical pain to me. Mental pain, it's the same. So I think they use they'll they'll be using that more and more and more, saying harsh words or anything that offends causes emotional distress, which is. You know, just as bad as physical distress. Well, that's an opinion, but I think I think that's the route they're going to go. Well, that's fine. I mean, I just like say, well, that's an opinion. You know, <laughs> you can have that opinion all you want. Well, when you get punched in the mouth, does it hurt? Yeah, that's your opinion. <laughs> no, that's actually a physical reaction. Uh, you're wrong. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. So, um, well, we, I mean, I know we've got a lot to get into. Well, I just wanted to say, I think part of what, and you, you can like him or not like him. Um, but I think part of what the appeal to a lot of people about Trump is, is that, you know, if you look nationally, I think the party has been led far too long by the John Boehner's and Paul Ryan types. Now, I like Paul Ryan when it comes to fiscal policy. I think he's a smart guy, but I think those guys just sort of did the go along to get along far too much. And again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, the point where I think, there are many points I think Trump won a lot of people, but the part where they said, 
What are you going to do about ISIS? And he said, I'll bomb the shit out of them. You know, there was half of this country that went, yes, what that guy said. Yeah. And some of them were on the left. Some of them were even like, yeah, I finally, somebody stood up and said it. Right. And that's, that's what I like about him is that he doesn't apologize for things that people say he should just because they want him to, you know. So it's nice. To, I'd like to see more Republicans get steel in their spine. And by that, I mean, you know, if somebody says something that offends me, and to be honest, I can't remember the last time I was ever offended. You know, it's just if I don't like somebody and I don't respect that person and they have a poor view of me, I think, well, I'm probably headed in the right direction. Then. You know, right. if if their morality or their ideology is diametrically opposed to mine and they have a problem with me, well, then that seems to fall right in line with the way it should be. Right. You know, I, I don't know if I take offense. I get enraged. Is that pretty much the same thing? Yeah, but, you know, you do when uh, yeah. you <laughs> get mad over truth, anything. If the truth hurts, too bad. Yeah, We're standing it. up for America. We're standing up for a constitutional republic. Well, I would say most of my friends, we've talked about this before, most of my friends are liberals because I find... I find just talking to people that I agree with all the time to be far less interesting than people I Except me. disagree with. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're a special kind of special. But, you know, I I grew up in a household where you were not only expected to share your opinion, but you were expected that as soon as you did that, someone would disagree with you. And that's okay. You know, disagrees your arguments. It's and good. guess what? Sometimes you find out you were wrong. Sometimes you get your mind changed. But unless you test what you believe ideologically with other people. It never gets anywhere. And there's too many people. There's some on the right, but mostly on the left. It's like they've cordoned off these areas and say, you can't disagree with me here. Yeah. Or well, why can't, not? You can't even speak on it. Yeah. And the first thing they do is they say, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, you're a hateful person. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, the depersoning. That's tactic, all they have. Right? They don't have an argument. Silencing, depersoning. And they're getting, it's getting so bad on the left that the big tech giants are not only are they silencing people on social media they're in, in league with like chase bank and with paypal and stripe and they're getting them to shut people down and make it so that's impossible for them to f- function financially that's scary that happened to my friend laura loomer yeah she laura was loomer, banned yeah. on all social media and banking and and uber and lyft and all that yeah and it, it, it was amazing how how hard they came down and how fast they came down on her and she, she among others there was there was a a few others that, that had that kind of felt the brunt of that too. That's but she the deep was, state yeah. right there. Yeah, and, and they know. I mean, it's hard to fight against that. I mean, it, it takes a lot of just wherewithal. And a lot of people have, you know, there's a point where you're like, I can't take it anymore. So, and they know that. They've got all that power that finances the, the exposure behind them. And what do you have? Which is why you know you're trying Which to get out Which is why I'm there here. I'm doing my that. videos and what yeah. I can. That's what we you appreciate. Know, I got uh, permanently suspended from Twitter for telling the truth about Elon Omar and Sharia. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So what'd you say that got you kicked off? It was something a post about Elon Omar. It was true and about Sharia. I yeah. don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. You know, but what difference does it make? You know, it's supposed to be open yeah. discourse. But of course, then Twitter is you know care is everywhere now. Hamas, I call them really, because that's who they are. They're doing what, business as terror. conspirators? Absolutely. <laughs> in the largest terror financing trial ever successfully yep. prosecuted in the United States. Why are they still operating? That is the question. They need to be shut down. They are a Muslim Brotherhood group. But yet, they have all this power. Thanks, Marxists. Mm-hmm. No thanks. But they actually went to Twitter and they asked they demanded that they shut Laura down and a number of other conservatives. And maybe me too, because I was making a difference. I was very vocal during this last election against Keith Ellison and Elon Omar. I was vocal on social media, and we also ramped up a number of protests against Ellison and Omar, and we brought Laura Loomer into town to Loomer slash confront both of them at our protest rallies. Yeah, that's going to get you noticed. Mm-hmm. By yeah. the wrong people. That's right. Well, you know, you have <laughs> and to the stand right people. and the right, right people because yeah. we're I'm sitting here today. See, and Crow and I have disagreed on this before. Um, I think, you know, there's I've heard this saying many times before. There's no better disinfectant than sunlight, and to a large degree, I'm happy when I mean Ilhan Omar and AOC and Rashida Tlaib say the stupid stuff they say, because I want people to see that. You know, so. When the when the left wants to shut speech down on the right, I think we must have hit a nerve there. 
because as a conservative, I'm always like, let them say what they want to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just don't let them be in power. Yeah, but just run your mouth, do what you're going to say, you know, or say what you're going to say, do what you're going to do, and let people see it. Because that's the part where I look at, you know, those three were elected in areas that are always going to be heavy liberal areas. Um, you're not going to be able to stop them. They're going to be in those. It's it's when we get them in other areas that are more sort of diehard conservative. And I think if we if we try and shut down or hide what they're saying, then it's more likely that they get, you know, into those other areas like that, like St. Cloud. I mean, St. Cloud's a conservative oh, area. A good example is having the local papers and media um, suppress the story about Yelena Omar and her marriage fraud and her tax fraud. And it's a big story, but you wouldn't know it by watching local news or reading local papers. Isn't the Star Tribune have a big mural of Yelena yes. Omar in their office? Yes, they do. And they are firmly in the pocket of care. Yeah. Right. So during the election cycle, we near, we heard nothing about that. Right. But yet there was many people here in town screaming it from the rooftops. Yeah. Right. But the, the Star Tribune is a far left Marxist rag. It's Pravda. Mm -hmm. You know. And now lately they've been they've been running pieces on Omar and kind of exposing her marriage fraud and immigration fraud and campaign financing violations, etc. And one would look at it and go, oh, look, they're exposing her. That's really good. I'm like, ah, uh, wait a minute here. There's something going on. There's a reason. There's some deception going on here. They're kind of exposing, but not really. It's like a trickle. What's happening? I, I, I'm seeing it. I noticed when, I mean, I saw the story last year or even further back when, when it first got reported by things like Alpha News. Or, mm -hmm. And uh, I knew that the local media would try to suppress that and... I'm surprised it's coming back. Um, so that's that's maybe a point for the tenaciousness of kind of these other sources, these conservative sources, keeping keeping on top of it maybe. But um, she's still they're still kind of running interference for her, and it's a very slow trickle of information where it's like just little bits and pieces. It's not this big like bombshell like it would be if it was conservative. Oh my gosh! Where it'd be hammering, hammering, hammering nonstop, and people would be outraged. They'd be out of office. But the already. way they're doing it, they're handling it now like. Keeping it at a slow, a low burn. I think it's some kind of a deception going on. Yeah, they've, they've got... There's they, something yeah. behind the scenes. Maybe they're going to run Al Franken, you know, for oh, yeah. seat. I, would, I, I wouldn't uh, doubt or that. Or something. Bring, bring or or it's, Al just, it's a diversion or a deception or something. I don't trust them at all. Al Franken's too male and too white, and there are too many pictures. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I it's don't just, know, but something's brewing behind the scenes. I don't trust them at all. You know, I we've said this before. I don't like Al Franken as far as his politics go and everything but or as a what, person what he should have done when they said oh he should have said look it was a comedy routine no i'm not apologizing and i'm not stepping down but again it's that whole mentality that you know if we're if we're white we just have to say oh sorry and yeah just take it yeah you know well i was gonna segue into some other um topics <laughs> but we do want to break up uh uh, some of our, our serious the seriousness with, yeah. uh, with some would you rather questions and these are all random we don't we don't pre-screen these so we're unless they're dumb we'll just skip them but uh we're gonna we're gonna just kind of do some random would you rathers so where are we here okay would you rather have annoying friends who are loyal or cool friends that are shady that's a pretty simple one for me well i hang out with you <laughs> <laughs> So shady friends. No. Well, well, you are shady, but you are no. loyal too. So uh, yeah, that seems like a pretty easy one to answer. Uh, uh, annoying friends. That's just a matter of. I mean, maybe they're annoying to somebody, but they're probably quite lovely to others. Yeah, it's funny when my when my now wife and I were first dating. We'd been dating about three months, and I have a buddy who's just. I mean, he's. I love him to death. And he's what I call a foxhole friend. I mean, if you were in a war in a foxhole, that's the guy you'd want with you. But let's face it, he's a pig. I mean, I love you, man, but he, he was and still is. And I said, you just need to be ready for this. And she met him and she was like, he is kind of a pig. She's like, how can you be friends with this guy? I'm like, because he's, he's the guy you'd call at three in the morning and say, hey, I need you to pick me up. Yeah. You know, I'm someplace. That's important. And he'd do it, you know. How about you, Marty? I would take the uh, the annoying friend. I have a few of them and I can put up with it. You know, I'm pretty, pretty tolerant, but, but if they're loyal and you know, they're going to be there for you, that is worth its weight in gold. What makes them annoying? Can you do, can you tell us without outing anybody? Oh, you know, the people who like go on and on and talk forever, right. And just never shut up 
or um, I don't know, they just maybe have like annoying habits or something. It's like, yeah, you can kind of overlook that. You give me a couple of cups of coffee on that guy. So um, there, the next one is, would you rather be rebuilt as part machine or part animal if you had a devastating accident? That's so weird. <laughs> that is a dumb question. Actually, I kind of like it. Why? Because would you rather have like uh, like uh, wings or you know bird wings or like uh, the the speed of a cheetah, or 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 would you rather have some sort of like uh, implant that makes you super smart? Yeah, but if it made you a machine, couldn't you be? Couldn't you maybe fly or do that stuff anyway? Yeah, I guess you're right. They yeah. don't think these out. No, they don't. <laughs> All right, so rebuilt as part machine or part animal. Okay, let's say. Let's say you had a, a devastating thing that was going to leave you bedridden, and they go, we have two procedures for you. One, we're going to uh, combine your DNA with some different animals. It's going to kind of alter your looks a bit. You might grow fur. <laughs> but you'll be up and about. <laughs> you have to go let out in the middle of the night. Yeah, in the middle of the night, you're going to go outside and right, pee in the right, yard. The tail, but, but you'll be up and about and spry. Or we'll, we'll hook up some technology to you. It'll be a little clunky. might be steam-powered. <laughs> you'll be part raccoon. You'll be digging through the neighbor's trash at 2 in the morning. Or, or the machine thing where you'll have this obviously metal you know, parts hanging off, dangling off you that need you know, oil. and. Uh... You went with like the worst possible version of this. You didn't go like Steve Austin, $6 million man. No, no, no. You have to go with the worst per- version of it. Yeah. I'd probably go the animal route still because there's a lot of people that will still love you for for, for being you. Okay. There's a lot of people that like the like that uh, werewolf romance and all that. <laughs> I'm answering the question my own way. I would go $6 million band kind of thing. Okay. Marnie? I'd probably do the animal thing because, you know, me and machines, we don't get along. And if it a plug or it requires any oiling or anything like that. And you can be hacked. Or maintenance. Oh, hacking. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, give me some wings. I'll just fly around and I'll Yeah, but you could get mange. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's All right, let's do one more. Um, one last one. This is an easy one, I would think. Would you rather have a sports car with or without a convertible top? Oh, come on. You don't like that one? Do better than that. Huh? It's not a sports car unless you have a convertible, right? Well, I've, I had a GT, 69 GTO hardtop, and that was pretty sweet, but I would prefer okay. to have the convertible yeah. version. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, here's a funny one. Would you rather have uncontrollable blinking or have your nose flare nonstop? <laughs> oh, you know some of my annoying friends. <laughs> I'm trying to see your nose flares. I'm like, well, let's see now. <laughs> what if you had them? Annoy you the most. <laughs> what if you had them? What if you had them both, but never at the same time? You could like alternate. <laughs> I think I'd have the blinking. Right? Was it uncontrollable blinking? I would do the nose flaring because people I did the don't. McCain. People don't McCain. trust people who blink all the time. Yeah, John McCain had that. He blinked a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, is he lying to me right now? He's exactly. People, yeah. I mean, you, if your nose flares, people will be like, that's kind of weird. The nose flaring is like, watch out, your nose is flaring. Yeah, right? it makes yeah, you look, you look, yeah, it makes like you look angry. Ball ready to charge. That's right. See, yeah, I go with the nose flaring. It's a good point, Marnie. I yeah, mean, one right. makes you look mad and the other makes you look untrustworthy and nervous. <laughs> that's right. Who's that, uh, the character that, um, oh, what's his name? Martin Short played, the 60 Minutes guy. He was, he was always oh. the attorney for everybody. <laughs> he had this cigarette ash that was like three inches in. He was like sweating. Yeah. He was always nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not nervous. Why are you nervous? You're the one sweating. I'm not well, sweating. I've had that, that eye twitch where you've had it all day long and you can't get rid of it. And it drives you crazy. It was meth that was doing that to you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Let's get to our next topic. I actually, we were going to talk a little bit about um, you're a member of a women's gun club. Yes, I am. Okay, so you're very much pro-Second Amendment, oh, I take yes. it? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> Are there limitations that you think there should be? Um, like, just recently, Trump, there was a big discussion about the bump stock ban. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I oppose any infringement on our Second Amendment rights, because it's a slippery slope. Exactly. Once you go down that, you, you, take, you give an inch, they want another inch. And then pretty soon they're taking away your guns. So I, you have to you have to have a, a red line in the sand. So I'm not for any of that. Um, I love it. Change. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for that answer. All right. So uh, we, we, I think bump stocks are dumb. They really are. I've I've had a friend that had one. It was it was it's a silly kind of like just novelty item. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, they say that the shooter in Vegas used them, 
and that was the whole... Yeah, he had the perfect conditions for one. Right. Now, so Crow and I have disagreed on this before. I saw that as, you know, the NRA sort of saying, we'll give you this two-foot putt, because I also think bump stocks are stupid. You can make one yourself if you need to. But, I mean, they, belt. they don't help you in any situation. And I think that's the kind of thing where you go, yeah, we did the bump stocks thing. That's it. We're not going any farther. But that's never so, how it goes. That's mm-mm, the problem. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, they go, oh, you can get this I just look at it. I look at it like a negotiation in business or something. You say, look, I already gave you something. Shut up. Go away. Are constitutional rights negotiable? Uh, well, I don't think a bump stock is, uh, I don't know. I think... Uh, it's the same thing as the, the back in the 90s when they did the uh, black rifle ban where you had to, if it looked scary, then it was illegal. It's the same thing. Yeah, but it didn't work. They weren't really able to ban them. No, but they but it made it more difficult, made things more expensive, made it made it more prohibitive for people that don't have money that want to protect themselves and their mm-hmm. home and their family. I mean, it's it's basically banning for people that that need it the most if they're in a bad neighborhood and and want to protect their family and themselves. It made it much more difficult for them to do that. So all the elites are going, yeah, let's do this because they don't have to care. they don't care about that. See, the thing I love about the whole Second Amendment and the possible banning of it is like, who's going to go get them? You know? Well, there's that too. Yeah, who's going to get them? But I, I don't know. I think if uh, I, Australia had a... Yeah, that's a whole different situation. And, and people were saying the same thing. Who's going to go get them? And people willingly turned them over. Mm-hmm. It's it's a matter of, of, of just taking the time and indoctrinating people. And all of a sudden, the, the Overton window shifts. And all of a sudden, you're the only guy with a gun. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, boy. Yeah, but I, I honestly don't think you can compare Australia. I just don't think you can. I mean, that's a, that's a European-style government. And... It's not a, I mean, although it's a large landmass, there's not a lot of people in Australia. And gun culture there is not like it is here. And law enforcement there is right, not but, like but, it is but here. slowly but surely that culture can change. I'm saying, yeah, it couldn't happen today. They couldn't round up guns if they'd have a massive revolt or mm-hmm. civil war. But they stick with it. They've That's got right. a plan. Like I said, the... the uh, rules for radicals. It's part of their playbook. They'll infiltrate. They'll get. You know, they'll change the perceptions of the people. They'll bring in the right people to do the right votes. And next thing you know, you're you've got you've given up stuff that you didn't realize you've given up, or your neighbors have given up so much that you're the one that it, they, the government turns its attention on because now you're a very very small minority. And, and or your neighbor turns you in. <laughs> yeah, they become too. they become the snitches. That and I'm not saying it'll happen tomorrow. No, right. I and I get what you're saying, but again, we I've used this. Example of Larry Correa's stuff before. So he's an author, uh, yeah, New York Times bestselling yeah. author. Just do the just do the math. There are, you know, three hundred and fifty million guns in the country. So they say, but you're not even talking about the ones that our grandparents bought when you could just walk down to the drugstore and buy one to go hunting. So we have way more guns than that. Let's say forty percent of the people in this country, three hundred twenty-five million, forty percent of those people own guns. Um, if 1% of those people, which is a very small number ideologically, decides, you know what, I'm going to make you come and get them. That is the biggest army the United States has ever seen, ever. I just don't think, regardless of what laws you pass, it's possible to confiscate them. Especially when most of, most of law enforcement, if you ask them, will say, we want citizens to have them. And there are also people who own them, and they don't want to confiscate them from you. There's, um, I, there, she was on Bill Maher's show. I can't remember her name. She's been on there a few times. Uh, little, she's like a real small little woman. She is the Vanity Fair. I think she's a Vanity Fair editor in chief. Or anyway, she said before, "Hey, well, just confiscate the guns." I'm like, well, then you go stack up on someone's door and take them. You know, <laughs> she's never going to do that. She's some seventy-five-year-old little frail woman she's she wants the power of the government to do it and i think when it comes to when it comes to seizing guns there's not the resolve to go get them i just that's what i believe for now for now i I still think they they brainwash they get indoctrinated maybe not right now but maybe down the road and so it's a slippery slope i'm just a hardliner you know when it comes to my second amendment rights that's it and first amendment and first oh yeah you bet (laughs) any yep Oh, I am too. I just don't see any. I don't see any case in which they've been able to effectively ban guns. I, the, I just don't. See, well, yeah, there have been as long as we there have been of, tons and, of challenges and, to them. And good thing we have other organizations other than the NRA. You know, I'm 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 kind of ashamed to admit I'm a lifelong member. Just finished paying my dues to be a lifelong mem- member of the NRA. 
got my little my little uh, diploma or not diploma um, certificate and pin and all that and a new card and I'm like meh threw yeah. it through in a drawer mm-hmm. and I'm like ugh uh, there's other organizations out there that are better now that's and that's right. they're, they're growing too so um, and off the top of my head I can't name them but they're there if you look them up <laughs> well, one of the ones the one that we originally brought up here for, that you're a part of is Marnie is uh, a girl in a gun yes. is that the name of it it's a national organization right okay so tell us about it sure um, it is um, one of my friends introduced me to it and uh, we um, meet twice a month over at Osseo Gun Range. And there's the first hour is a speaker on a topic. Could be gun safety, ammo, cleaning your gun, gun insurance, whatever it is. It's educational. And then the second hour, we just practice at the range. It's all women. They have great um, staff there, team members that help you. So it's good for somebody who's just a beginner and it's just learning how to be a responsible firearm owner or for an expert. So we build a community. And for me, you know, I've had uh, firearms for a number of years, but I didn't really feel comfortable with them until I started attending and practicing regularly at the range because it's just a skill that you have to practice. And it's been great. I've made some great friendships, feeling very comfortable and confident um, in my skills in the, um, in the firearm department. Well, one thing we've talked about before, I keep saying all these things we've talked about before, is I don't understand how feminists are anti-gun. Because it seems to me that that is a great equalizer between your average woman and your average man. Mm -hmm. And when we have all of these, you know, 30 and 60 day waiting periods for guns, I mean, what do you do for a woman who's had a, you know, a violent threat from a, you know, male spouse, ex-husband, you know, boyfriend, or sure. gang member off the but street. But generally, any for threat. Generally, it's those people who are, you know, right. most likely to commit sure. violence against them. You know, why do we make them wait? You know, I mean, if they can show, if the police are willing to give them a restraining order, mm-hmm. why shouldn't they be able to buy yeah, a gun? One woman moves to a new neighborhood. She wants to go jogging at night and she wants to protect herself uh-huh. and she has to wait 30, 60 days uh-huh. in order to do that. Yeah. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, there was that uh, one woman, that college-age woman or whatever, did the little song on the ukulele about, uh, you know, it sure is a tough time for boys. And she was talking about, I can't just go wherever I want. Yeah, sure you can. Yeah, get a gun <laughs> and train. Yeah, it. get your yeah. CNC. And, uh, and and not only do you get trained when you do that, which is great that you're doing that um, and staying on top of it, you get trained on the on the use of the gun, but you'll, you get trained on you know, situ- situational awareness, which is super important. Yeah. Especially for women, it's not to have your face buried in your phone when you're walking, or headphones in and head headbuds or earbuds in, and not pay attention to what you're doing. If you look like a victim, you're going to get targeted like Absolutely. a victim if you're if you're in, the, in the right situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, it's more important than even knowing how to use the gun is that situational awareness and carrying yourself like like somebody who is not a victim. Absolutely, and you know, the more women that carry, um, and if they are able when they, when they defend themselves responsibly defend themselves, I think there will be less crime because the perpetrators will not know if you have a gun or not. And they will be hesitant, fearful. fearful. They should be that, hey, she might be carrying. You know, I could get popped. Well, Hollywood always tells us that the Wild West was like this super violent time. And it wasn't. I mean, an armed society is a polite society. For the most part, yes. For the most part, yeah, with with the right people and responsible gun ownership. I don't know why women want to disarm other women. I think it's just crazy. You don't want to protect your family. You don't want to protect your children. You don't want to protect your own life. What is that all about? You know, and they're all afraid of guns. It's not the guns. It's the people behind the guns. Right. All right. So I just want to say, snap out of it, get over it, get your permit, get a firearm, be a responsible gun owner. And but instead and of putting money into, yeah, instead of putting money into and effort into trying to ban guns, uh, put the money and effort into just uh, training and into yes. making people understand what they are. It's like you know, training. You don't run in and use a a power saw or a bandsaw without without getting training in it and knowing how to use it. And that's dangerous. Same thing with with firearms. You you know, put some effort and some money into educating people about them and um, the proper use. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and that they're not that they're not fun time toys. Well, they can right. be if you do it right, but. and that you don't want to use it unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, and that's the that's attitude. That's the last too. resort. And that's one thing that's that I think people that are anti gun that are fearful of guns that have never looked at a gun or touched a gun, they don't understand that most of us that have guns and carry, we we don't go around looking for 
something or somebody to shoot. That's that's the last thing on our mind. Actually, we actively avoid situations where we think we we would potentially have to use a gun. So we'll stay away from those situations, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of hard for me because I would like to go to some rallies. I'd like to go to some protests, um, but I don't want to be disarmed. I don't want to go there unarmed um, in case, because you've seen uh, some of these Antifa types that just oh, yes. show up and surround people and just, you know, Oh, it's going to get worse as we get closer to the election. And so I would like to be more active. I, mm-hmm. I really would. But I don't want to show up and be vulnerable to you know, a gang attack of, you know, rabid mobs. Um, so I would be armed, but if I ended up having to defend myself or somebody else, you know, it would be, it would be just a shit show for me. I would be, there'd be jail, there'd be lawyer fees, there'd be, you know, a possibility of me losing my freedom right? because of a tainted jury or because of misperceptions about, oh, that guy, he owns a bunch of guns and he just, he went there looking for trouble. Well, no, I didn't, but I mean, who knows how the jury's going to take that, depending. So I'm, I'm always afraid to go to, to an event like this as a white male, especially, you know, because we're kind of demonized nowadays. Oh, you are. Um, you it, racist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, where's your white privilege? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I don't have privilege when it comes to that. I know that I if I actually have to use that gun in an act of self-defense, even not shooting, just using self-defense, because mm-hmm. a lot of defensive gun use doesn't even, there's, there's no firing of the gun. It's just brandishing it mm-hmm. actually diff- diffuses the situation. They don't tell you that. Um, but if I did that, that could land me in jail. That could get me, my guns taken away. Mm-hmm. And w- so what do I do? Do I show up without a gun? Do I show up with a gun? And as soon as things look like they're hairy, get out of there? Well, that's backing down. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to back down. That's what they want. They want you to be afraid to show up at rallies and support the president or, or show up and protest something you don't like. And that's that's the that's the kind of the conundrum I think I'm in. <laughs> Right. Well, all the more reason to carry, as far as I'm concerned. The more people that carry that are responsible gun owners, Mm -hmm. the less, hopefully, the left will feel that they have, um, they can lord over us their violence. Yeah. You know, because there's going to be repercussions. We have the right to defend ourselves. We have the responsibility to defend ourselves and our families and to be around for our families. And if that means being a responsible gun owner and, and carrying your permit, then you should do that. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, you'll see a lot of these protests that you'll see, like um, what's the, uh, the the gun groups that show up? Um, Patriot Prayer. Patriot Prayer is not there. Well, there are a lot of those guys are armed, but they're very polite. They don't they don't uh, instigate anything. They try to de-escalate mm-hmm. because that's what you're trained to do when right. you ha- when you carry. It's a big responsibility. It is. And pe- people on the left don't quite understand that you actually have. The mindset you have when you carry is not an aggressive mindset. It's defensive. And and you're always trying to de-escalate. You don't want to start anything that can escalate. But you want to be prepared for something when it does. It's Absolutely. like having a fire extinguisher in your house. Right. You don't want to take it out and blow the fire extinguisher around just for fun. You, you have it there because you might need it and you don't hope, hope you have to use it. But if you have it, great. No, you're not anymore. supposed to spray the fire extinguisher yeah. around at your dog Newsflash. or your kids. Oh, I do that. I do <laughs> that all the time. Do that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my annoying thing. So, <laughs> you know, there's a great video uh, with Trey Gowdy um, questioning. I I don't know who the woman is. She's from the uh, I think she's the Homeland Security Department. Um, this is an, under the Obama administration when they had the no fly list and said if you're on the no fly list, you don't get to get you don't get to have a firearm. And he said. Look, the Second Amendment is the amendment that protects all the other ones. And she said, yeah, but there's a process. You know, if you're wrongly put on the no-fly list, you just go through this process. And and he said, right, but would we – first of all, you don't know you're on it until they tell you you can't fly or you can't own a gun. He said, so you don't even know why you're on it. Is there any other of the um, rights in the Bill of Rights that you would accept petitioning the government to get? He says, so if the government arrests you – would you find it satisfactory to petition them to be able to have a lawyer? You know, would you find petition would you find it search and seizure? Would it you find it acceptable to have to petition the government to be allowed to say what you want? And she's like, I I don't get your point. <laughs> and it was like, Jesus, lady, you're just not even listening. But that's that's his point, and I think that's really what it comes down to, though, is that the Second Amendment is the one that protects all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to what I said before. I know people are worried about seizure, and I think you always have to be aware of that. But there's an awful lot of people who own guns, and it does. It takes a minute fraction of them to say this is not going to happen. You know, 
Right. So just stay uh, stay vigilant. <laughs> That's right. Well, and there's I've heard the argument before that says, all right, so you're on a block of houses and they start seizing guns. You know what that seizure is going to look like. They're going to hit those doors with, you know, 30 guys and they're going to go in there. And if you resist, they're going to shoot you. Right. And that may be what it's like. And they say, are you really going to put up a fight against that? Well, maybe, maybe not. But it also works on the same end on the other side. When those 30 guys kick in a door and two of them get shot, there's a point where they go, I'm not doing this all day long. <laughs> I don't think these people should lose their guns, you know, right. and I don't want to get shot over it. And I, I think you're going to see, well, we've seen it before in certain states where sheriffs have just said, look, it's our job to seize the guns. And if you pass gun seizure, we're not doing it. Well, and false police don't have a duty to defend you anyway. That's not their, their job. No, as a friend of mine, as a cop who says, I'm going to get there in time to give you CPR. And he goes, I'm not giving you CPR. He goes, I got to clear a scene. And write one hell of a report. That's what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. But they want us to be able to defend ourselves. Exactly. I mean, when you're when there's an intruder in your house in the middle of the night and you're a single woman, you know, are you going to wish you had a firearm or you'd be happy you just have a cell phone and you hope the police get there in time? Well, and where the logic of the left falls apart yet again is this idea that if Trump is literally a Nazi, if the government is run by literal Nazis, you want you want the government to take your guns away? Mm hmm. I mean, it's just stupid. And when you when you pose that to them, they just go, "Well, Trump's a Nazi and guns are bad." Yeah, there, there's there's no comeback to that. They don't they don't get it. They're parrots. They're just parroting. Yeah, yeah. So, how are we on time? Are running up on an hour here. All right, went, went by really quick. It did. <laughs> it does this to us every week. I every can't time we do this. It. I know. It goes wow. fast, doesn't it? It does. Well, we definitely will have to have you back. I Thank mean, we, we didn't even touch on AOC. I know. <laughs> oh, says, my God. I mean, we, we can't get you know, uh, an episode by without talking about her. We just did it this time. So, Well, I did bring her we down. We just said so. it, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I know there's so much more to talk about. I'd love to have you back for that. I'd love to come back. Thank so. you. All right. Well, Marnie, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. If if you want people to follow you on YouTube, it's, mm-hmm. they just look up your name, Marnie. Yeah, Marnie. It's Marnie, M-A-R-N-I, Hockenberg, H-O-C-K-E-N-B-E-R-G. And you're not on Twitter anymore. I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> you know what? Facebook. Neither are we. Yeah. yeah, I know. I am on Parler, though. Just started there. Parler, and that's an alternative to Twitter? Twitter, okay. right. It's another social media app right. that so um, up until maybe Parler. today isn't going to be... Uh, you're not going to be banned, but there's this whole brouhaha with Apple. Maybe that could be another show oh, right there. Yeah. But um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And I do talk about what's happening here in Minnesota with the Islamic takeover and the Muslim Brotherhood and the jihadis and how the Marxists enable them. So stay tuned. There's a lot to talk about. And when you post on Facebook, do you post public or is it is it a kind of a private post? Or do it you do a little on bit my of post. post? So people could look up on Facebook certain stories that you post. Sure, publicly. you could. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. That a lot of uh, stuff that I saw that you posted there was really interesting stuff that I hadn't seen anywhere else, so I was glad to see it. Good. So um and so thanks again. I appreciate you coming and uh, if you want to get in contact with Rooster or Crow, it's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And we also post on our Facebook page, which is Bread and Circuses uh, Podcast, and we'll post this episode there. So, here. See you. Bye. Bye.